0: Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife Erica and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today. Especially here with us for the very first time. If you are a guest with us at Rise, we uh, want to welcome you and always. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience, so my encouragement, come back, check us out, you never know what would happen. Uh, sometimes I just, I'm off on a day, and so you might have to give me another chance, and uh, we'll see if you, we can be your spiritual family. I also want to welcome everybody watching online. Believe it or not, we have several hundred people who watch online all throughout the world, so, hey, do me a favor, let's just welcome and let them know they're a part of this church. Come on, just welcome, them, church, Just say thank you for being a part And uh, we're so glad that you're with us. Like, comment, share, leave a review. Hey, we would love if you are local and you're in the San Antonio area, uh, we want to see you in church. So please come back. We'd love to have you back. And uh, we know you'll have a great time and uh, be back inside of your church family. We're starting off a brand new series today called Running with the Giants. And uh, it's one of my favorite ways to teach because I get to pick a character in the Bible and then teach on it and kind of pull out just different wisdom and truths from great men and women who lived inside of the Bible and were a part of of the, the scriptures and see what their lives and how they parallel to our lives. One of the, my favorite reasons of, to do that is because if you were to ever actually read the Bible and read about the characters in the Bible, you'll see that they're not like superhero Marvel characters. They're like you and I. What I love about scripture and especially characters is that the Bible is filled with not just their highlights, but their lowlights, like all the areas that they messed up with, all the times that they didn't make it in life. And what I love is that they are basically did extraordinary things during ordinary times. And so you and I can do that. It gives me hope because I look at them and I'm like, man, they're messed up, but I'm not that messed up. And it kind of gives me hope when I look at the Bible in a lot of ways. And if we're not careful, we can miss out on some of those principles and truths that God teaches us every time we open up scripture. So I'm excited to teach it today. Today, we're going to be looking at the character of Noah. Everybody say Noah. And uh, you know him as the famous character who built the gigantic boat uh, for the flood that came on the earth. And we're going to learn some, maybe some new ideas and some different thoughts about who he is. We're going to be in Genesis chapter number six today. Genesis chapter number six. And what I like to do when I do series like this is I like to think, like, what would this character say? If I was sitting down with him at, at, a, at a Starbucks, at a coffee shop, at a donut place, if I was having lunch with them, what would they say to me? Like, if I could ask them a question, like, Noah, what would you tell me based on your life and your experience and what you went through and your experience with God, what's the one principle you would give to me? And this is what I think he would say. I think he would say simply this, that whatever God tells you to do, put it up there, whatever God tells you to do, just do it. Like like just whatever God says, whatever command he gives you, whatever he asks you to do, I know it sometimes doesn't make sense. It sometimes challenges us. It sometimes goes against culture, but whatever God tells you to do, just do it. That's what I think he would say based on his his lifetime and lifestyle. And so give you some context real quick before we get into Genesis chapter 6. It's about 2,000 years after Adam and Eve were in the garden. What you don't know about this, what scholars believe and what the Bible writers would actually show you, is that you see Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel and you start to see outside of that relationship and that moment of sin, Create moments of where where it actually shows you men start to create kingdoms inside of the world and bloodshed always follows. In fact, you see um, uh, the Bible even calls it the sons of God. They start to create these kingdoms and these scholars, you know, debate on what sons of God really mean. But you start to see mankind start to create kingdoms on the back of bloodshed and they get so evil and so bad and so dark that God actually regrets creating humanity. And he has to push the reset button on this particular situation and it goes out of the way the Bible goes out of the way to describe <coughs> his moment with Noah that he actually says this he says this great statement and I love it because it kind of always it just makes me think of how I want to live my life the Bible says that God literally it says this God remembered Noah now you and I don't think like that and we don't live like that you and I mainly what we like to do is we want to be remembered by people in fact that's why social media even exists you and I want to make sure that we're not forgotten by what by people, by our friends. Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's where I went to vacation. Here's how the party that I'm at. Here's what my kids look like on the first day of school. How many of y'all like go crazy on the first day of school? Every kid you see, they're all holding up the sign, first day of kindergarten. Just so y'all know, ain't none of us care about that. But we all put it up on there. And so they put it up, and you see 19,000 children of all their first day of school. Um, but, you know, you do, you show our food. Don't forget what I'm eating right now. This is my grande caramel latte with whip and my, you know, nonfat, you know, double latte, whatever. You know, we're always trying to figure out a way to make sure people don't forget us. But what if, this is just a question, what if you and I lived our life to be remembered by God? Yeah, yeah. Hebrews talks about this great hall of faith. And this is where we kind of pick it up. I'm actually reading um, Genesis, and I'm reading about Noah, because in Hebrews, it actually talks about, and it lists out characters in the Bible that we call like the hall of fame of faith, like who had great faith and did great things for God, and they weren't perfect people. They just did extraordinary things during ordinary times. So this is 2,000 years after that. You see bloodshed. You see heartache. You see God actually have a heartache. He, He becomes grieved at humanity. He has to press the reset button. He remembers Noah and he tells Noah this in verse 11 I pick it up and it says now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth and God said to Noah I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them behold I will destroy them with the earth and he says this this is the command that God gives to Noah he says make yourself an ark of gopher wood everybody say ark make yourself a gigantic ship to save you and your family with that as our backdrop let's pray father i love you lord i thank you that today god you have a word to speak to us i pray that you would do that holy spirit take my words god you have a you have something to say to help us take our next step in christ and may that be today in jesus name everybody said amen Amen. first time i heard uh, the story of Noah was in a very broad context. I grew up in a unique kind of a church, uh, a church that was um, not like this church at all. In fact, it was very different. Um, we, we you know, we, we grew up in what was called a Pentecostal church. I grew up united Pentecostal. I wasn't just Pentecostal. We grew up united Pentecostal church. It was the UPC, and we grew up. We invented the rules on top of the rule. We thought God's rules weren't enough. We said, we're going to give more rules just in case we we get crazy. And so we thought holiness. We had statements like holiness or hell. Get right or get out. That's how we thought about things. We sang songs, you know. This plane is a clean train. This train don't carry no gamblers. This train don't carry no liars. This plane is a, a clean train. This, this, that's how we sang, and we just, we did everything that we could do to be holy. We, we sat on not chairs. We sat on the benches that tortured people. They were wood and had no comfort. Some of y'all just touch the chair in front of you, touch the padding and just say, thank you, Jesus, that we have padding on chairs right now. Because I felt like every 30 seconds I had to shift, you had to shift your weight. You had to shift your weight because then, you know, you just got to shift your weight. You got to stay comfortable because otherwise you just, I felt like they did that on purpose to keep the preacher, like to keep you looking at what's going on. And so, um, we would sleep under the pews. I mean, I grew up in a a church where they, we sang forever and people be running the aisles and flag waving and it was a it was a different time y'all and i don't resent that honestly i I, i'm 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 poking fun but but please don't mishear me i i I'm grateful that I grew up in a church that taught me to honor the things of God. And we got too crazy with it. We took it too far in so many ways. But I learned to love the things of God. I learned to have a holiness inside of my heart. My mom would pray, God, make my heart soft on a regular basis. Those things I learned inside church. I'm grateful that I have a love for God. That God's not just my homie. That he's my God. That I can can present myself as a a living sacrifice. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm saying because we, we have... gotten so lost in the culture we have gotten so lost to being cool and being accepted and being liked to where we have lost our flavor we have lost the salt that we should be inside of the world where we can walk around and people can look at us and not even know us and know that there's something different about that person that i gotta go get around them and i don't even know it's god until i meet them and they tell me about the savior named jesus we have forgotten the good things of god so i'm thankful okay I'm thankful for the things of God, but I'm also grateful that I don't have to wear a three-piece suit on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Amen. Some of y'all up in here in shorts. I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> but, but I, I heard the, the, the story of Noah in a thing called Sunday School. We don't have Sunday School here. We have Rise Kids, and thank God we have Rise Kids, Okay. Cause my Sunday school was more of like a babysitting done by somebody who was really mean and really upset that they were they were the one picked and chosen to babysit the kids that day, right? And I learned Noah with what what they did y'all some of y'all don't even know what this is, but I learned Noah on a felt board. Anybody ever seen a felt board before? They'd be like, some of y'all are like, what is that? Where did you find that? What museum did you take it out of? And we, we would learn about, but you would learn because they would put the felt up and you had the ark. And, you know, you would teach the kids through pictures and two by two and the, the birds and the rain. Of course, you have the rainbow. And you had, you know, you always had Noah. What's funny about the felt board is that this was this was Noah. You know, but this was also David, and this was Samson, this was Jesus, this was Judas, this was Mary, this was everybody. This was, and I always wondered. I'm like, can we give them some budget to buy another felt person? Like, can we take up an offering? Like, I'll do it right now. Please get them the. And you always wondered whether or not, and they would always fall off. Anybody ever remember that they would always fall off? And so, what kept? I think what kept the attention was the kids were always wondering, like, which one's gonna fall off. Right, we're just going to watch it. I don't even know what's going on, but I'm just waiting for the one to fall off. And, uh, and so I learned I learned about Noah in this in this way. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this if I can, just because we're going to be distracted. But I'll put it right here. And uh, thank you. And, um, and, and I want to give you an idea of what the, the, the ark really was, because sometimes when you read it, you don't really read it. And so I'll just give you a couple quick thoughts about um, I'm going to show you a picture. Uh, this is how big the, the ark was. It kind of gives you kind of an idea of like a little bit of scale of how big. We're talking gigantic. It was the size of a football field, okay? It was hundreds of feet uh, 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 of, of wood, and, and it, had to, it, had, it could hold like 200-something rail cars in it. I mean, it was, it was an incredible feat of engineering. And when God asked Noah to build this boat, this ship, really, he wasn't asking him to do a small thing. It wouldn't be a small thing now in modern technology for us to build something like this. Anybody ever seen uh, Evan Almighty? It's a great store. It's a great movie to watch. Um, just to, you know, for some of you religious people, you're like, it ain't biblical. Like, y'all, relax. It's just a movie. It's just a movie, you know? Like, <laughs> some, I told somebody, like, we're going, you know, do you ever seen that Disney movie? Like, Disney's evil. I'm like, it's just a mouse, bro. Chill it out. It's like, he's just a mouse. It's just entertainment. Like, relax, you know? And so, but but like... What's interesting is like it'll give you an idea that movie Evan Almighty give you an idea of like, of of what 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 was being asked of him yeah. was incredible, and and it was a big ask for God to do that. And some some of us have been asked by God to do some pretty amazing things. You could be in here right now. That's that's your life. God has asked you to do something hard, difficult. Exciting, fun, scary, but God's asked you to do it. He's given you a command. And 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 Noah's response was powerful. He said, verse 22, Noah, this is what God got his response. Noah did everything God commanded him. The moment. The, 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 the moment that changed Noah's life. The, the moment that we celebrate why he's even in the hall of faith in Hebrews, why people, why he's mentioned it's because what God, what he did with God's command. Now, anytime you and I get a command from God, there's a timeline that happens. I'll show it to you. This is what happens. We, 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 we get a command and, 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 and it could be from the Bible. It could be from people. It could be from a pastor, from a message. It could be from, you, you know, maybe your quiet time with the Lord in prayer. But God gives us a command and then we have the results of, of, our, of our choice in the middle. But, but what's interesting is everything rides on what happens in the middle. And so, whether you, sometimes I think we want to skip the middle to get to the end, right? So you and I want to look um, like a model, right, on on the on the cover of Muscle Magazine, but you and I don't want to make the choice. Come on, in the middle to get to that that point. You and I want to be financially secure in our life, but we don't want to make the decision and the choice in the middle. To get to that some of us want to be married and in a relationship that's godly with somebody who loves us and cares for us and supports us and helps us but we don't want to do the stuff in the middle they get, I, get to, I talk to people all the time like you know, I talk to even pastors who want to plant churches they look at our church and they're like pastor man we would love to have a church like rise church I'm like okay I can give you what God gave me as a command to get to that point because there's some steps in the middle you learn how to honor your people like it's a great way it's a great thing to be a leader I'm so thankful to be a leader but I'm not a leader unless I can learn to follow so unless I learn how to follow and serve another man's vision why on earth would God ever give me my own personal vision to help people out and so what i find with a lot of church planters because i'm a coach in in a church planting organization they'll come to me and they'll say i want to grow a church i want to plant a church we want to be blessed like you but we're going to plant right next to the pastor i came out of or i'm going to prove everybody wrong and prove somebody right and i'm going to do it in an unhonoring way and i'm like your choices are affecting your result So you can't pray a miracle of God to happen in your life when you don't operate in the things of God. He's not a glorified lifeguard that saves you every time you make a dumb decision. Now he can and he redeems things in his good grace. But you and I are not to use his promises as a get out of jail free card. Does that make sense? So Noah's talked about because of the decision that he made. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what has God asked you to do? And what decision are you making? It's personal for everybody. The commands of God should be taken seriously and personally. What has God asked you to do? For some of you, it's just to come to church. That's a step. For some of you, it's to start serving, which, by the way, I'm gonna do a shameless plug. The fall is coming up, which is a ramp up for all of our church services and all the things that we got to do, and we're gonna be going into it this next year. Into, we're gonna be having our three-year coming up on our three-year anniversary, which God's done so much in the last three years of our church. It would it would it would blow your mind if I could give you all the blessings of God. But we're going to come up, on, and let me just tell you, there's some things that we're going to be need to see our, our, our leadership teams grow in. And if you're not serving at this church, let me just tell you, because I know people are praying about it. Let me ask you. I already talked to God. You don't need to pray about it. He said, serve. <laughs> God commanded us to do that inside of his words. You don't have to consult the spirits. They've already spoken. Serve. So, so if you're looking to get involved, which you should be looking to get involved, because church was meant to be experienced, not watched. It, it's meant to be a part of. You're missing half of it. And some of you who serve in here, you're like, oh, yeah, if you serve right now, you better be saying amen, because you, you know, because you know. You know, you're like, Pastor, let me tell you, it's one thing to come watch, but ain't a whole nother thing to come be a part, because now I'm a part of what God's doing inside of the church, and I can't wait to get to church on Sunday, because now I'm not just watching, I'm a part of it. So, so, so I'm just telling you, right now, we got next steps coming up, like we're doing an express, which normally is a two-part class, we're putting them together, we're giving you food, like, I'll give you money, if you ju- I, ju- I believe in it so much, like, Gabby's <laughs> like, no, no, so like, look. I believe in it so much because it, it's not for me. The church, just say it like this, the church doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. You need this. Yeah, yeah. God wants you to have your best life. It's on the other side of your choices. So don't say, you, you can't sit back and go, I wish I could hear from God and have a better experience with church, and I wish I wouldn't move around and try to find that church. How about you commit to one and go all in and see if God doesn't do something amazing? That's what you got to do. So shameless plug, I'm done with that. And you should go serve at Rise Kids. So just heads up. So so so, if that's true, then then I want to, so, so if God's blessing, okay, so God gives us commands, tells us what to do, our blessings on the other side of that. You had two people, two types of people in Noah's story. You had the people who got caught up in the flood, and you got the people that didn't. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the people that didn't. I want to be on the boat. Anybody else want to be on the boat? Like, I want to be on the boat. So if I want to be on the boat, then the only thing that determined that was the decision to follow God and follow his commands. Because I've noticed that it took Noah hundred years to build that boat. Did you know that? A whole lot of people walked by, judged him, could have been a part of it. Could have jumped up in and said, No, who told you to build that boat? God told you, I'm in. Let me help you out. You don't think Noah would have been like, guess what? I got a seat for you. You can make your own seat on this boat. Help me out. It's the decisions that we make. Come on, yeah, yeah. and if that's true, then what keeps us from obeying God? I'm gonna give you those three things real quick, if I can. Three obstacles of obedience inside of our life. Why don't we obey God? These are just my issues. These are not your issues. This is just universal. But uh, but I'm just give you some three 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 things that keep us from obeying God. When God gives you a command, God gives me a command. What keeps us from following it? Number one is this: is fear. Fear is a crazy thing. You know, fear, we think fear, we're like, well, you know, that's like like a scary movie. You know, maybe I'm on a roller coaster, I'm afraid. Ah. Or, but, but fear has this weird way of making you do things that you shouldn't do. And keeps you from doing the things you should. It's got this, it, it, it can get up in our minds. And and just make you and one of the things I've noticed as a pastor that I've seen kind of develop over many years is, is one of the biggest fears we all struggle with is our fear of people, and what do they think? Now what's interesting is Noah would have been doing this for a hundred years. I can't seem to mow my lawn without seeing somebody drive by and give me a dirty look, let alone me for a hundred years. Think about this: building a boat. The size of a football field in my backyard while people walk up and be judging me. Imagine that type of ridicule for a hundred years. And yet we feel it in some of the things that we do. Because God, you know, God's given us some commands. God, God's God's told us to, to love our families and to sacrifice for our families and when we some of this has happened with y'all because you go to your job and and when you chose your family over your job people looked at you like you were committing career you know you're like this is you're, you're throwing your career down the drain because you chose when you were actually just following what God told you to do you thought instead of me working 80 hours a week I'm going to work what I know gonna work is unto God, and then I'm going to spend time with my family. Yeah. Instead of doing that overtime job, I'm actually going to show it to my kids' soccer game. Because culture would tell you and lie to you and say, don't worry, when they're older, they'll understand. Which, by the way, supports all of the counseling in all of the world. And all the counselors are like, yeah, keep telling them that. You're just job security. Because every young boy and young girl... All they desire is to see their parents in the stands cheering them on. And so when you make a decision to do that, sometimes people judge you. I talked to a guy the other day. He said, I started giving to the church, Pastor. I'm so honored. I've been blessed. But you know what's a weird byproduct of it? I said, what's that? He said, I kind of got judged by my family. They told me, why are you giving money to the church? You need to be saving that money or you need to buy a bigger place. You could do so much with that money. Well, why are you giving to the church? And he said, what they don't realize is that when we started giving to the church, we started being more blessed. So then we were able to give more. And now we're not only able to give to the church, we're able to give to nonprofits and we're able to bless our family. And we're able to be financially independent. And we also can save. you know, they don't understand that. And I said, I get it. I, but you have to step through the fear of being judged because people won't understand that right now. It won't, I've read the end of the Bible, so you don't have to because it's confusing. But it doesn't get better for the people of God until it's better for the people of God. So we win in the end, but it's going to get kind of crazy before we get there. And it's not going to get more Christian. Spoiler alert. People will judge you more for loving God more. We are in a post-Christian society. You do know that. If not, spend five minutes on the local news channel. <laughs> so, so at some point, you're going to have to be square with the idea that I'm going to have to do something that I'm afraid of fear is a weird thing it'll keep you from doing things it'll make you do the most crazy things my mom I love my mom she's a she's an amazing woman of God she's always took me to church and when I got old enough I thought I was going to take my mom to church when you're a teenager and you get to drive for the first time it's amazing it's amazing what you don't realize is you turn into the uh, errand runner for your parents Right. I mean, that's just what happens. Right. Did anybody get turned into like you? You were Grubhub before it existed. Right. (laughs) And uh, and so mom used to take me to church all the time. I remember the first time my mom wanted to take me to church. And my mom kind of struggles with claustrophobia a little bit. She kind of has a little bit of an issue with like being in confined spaces. And so um, I, I bought a car that didn't fully work. Let me just say it like that. Right. I had a 1986 Honda CRX hatchback car that was like I wish I was a car car. It wasn't even a really car. It was like a matchbox car, it really was. It had a stick shift. How many of y'all remember stick shift? Some of y'all are like, what's a stick shift? You had to we had a clutch and you had to move the gears. You're like, no, that's just the automatic. No, you had to do it yourself. And you had to like, and you was so, it was so much fun. How many of y'all remember and love a good old stick shift car? You know, it's five speed, six speed, and you know, you had the reverse, you know, and and uh, and so this car didn't have weight windows that were power that manual wind some of y'all don't remember the man me- that was my workout when I was growing up it was this and mine didn't work well so it would move a half an inch every six rotations so I was like hold on. I'd pull up to the drive-thru and they'd be like sir I'm like hang on hold on wait what what? And they're like, your food's ready here. And I'm like, oh yeah. And then I'd drive away and I'd have to stop. And then guess what I had to do? Hold on. <laughs> And so, I, you know, the window had to be rolled up, and it was just crazy, and it didn't work all the time. And so my mom did not like to ride with me in this car because she couldn't roll down the window well. The doors didn't power lock. I had manual power lock. Y'all don't remember the time when the cars, you had to actually do this. I know. Everybody just take your hand like this. Grab the imaginary lock. Come on, everybody. Pretend like you care. All right. Come on. Everybody grab it. And then just go boop like that. Just boop. Yeah, it just that's what we did before you press. Some of y'all just press the button. We don't even have to press. Alexa, open the door. That's what we say now. Okay. <laughs> but there was a day when you could have just, you just boop, you just opened up the door locks. But the real problem with my car was that the seatbelt didn't fully work. Now I didn't tell my mom that because My mom, like I said, has some problems with you know claustrophobia, she don't like being held down or anything like that. So, we get in the car to drive to Wednesday night church because I told you I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and so we went to church every day. It was like Monday we had prayer night, Tuesday night was men's night, Wednesday night was church, Thursday night was choir practice, Friday night was youth night, Saturday night we just showed up because we were like, Well, we don't really have a life at this point, so we might as well just go to church. And so, we just were there every single day. So, Wednesday, I'm driving my mama to church, and we get to the front of the building. I'm lying, I'm dying. She'll tell you, she's sitting on the front, she knows this happened. I drove up up to the church because i'm a good christian boy driving my mom to church i drive up drop her off i said mom go ahead you can get out she said thank you honey she gave me a kiss on the cheek she pushed the button and guess what happened it didn't release (laughs) and when the seatbelt doesn't release on someone who struggles with that type of fear it doesn't make them less panicked and makes them more panic she started yanking on the thing now i don't know if you ever had seatbelt technology inside of your car but when you pull on the seat belt what happens it gets tighter and so she's pulling on it and she's at this point screaming "Aaron, get me out of this car and the car is shaking back and forth and i'm like hang on mom just calm down and she's like don't tell me to calm down i'm trying to get out of this car i'm getting out of me get out of this car and i'm like just hold on i'm pushing the button i'm like just work just please work just push the and I'm like pounding on the wind on the thing, and it finally lets go. My mom rolls out of the car and she said, I'll never <laughs> ride it with you again. To this day, when she walks in she, to my car, she'll test the seatbelt. I'm not kidding, she'll test it. Does it open up? I'm like, Mom, it's a new car. It's okay. It's not the 86 hatchback. Why'd I tell you that story? I don't know. What did I say? Oh, so fear. We'll make you do some crazy stuff, right? Because it's designed to keep you from things. And I was asking God the other day. I said, God, I'm frustrated with you. Anybody have a frustrating prayer moment with God recently? Anybody other than me? Like yesterday? Okay, cool. Okay. So I'm sitting and I'm talking with God. I'm like, God, you know. Sometimes I enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Sometimes I enter his gates with complaining. I don't know I shouldn't, but sometimes I do. And I walked into it. I was like, God, look. I start off like that. I was like, God, look. This don't make no kind of sense. I'm frustrated with you. I'm mad at what's going on. I don't understand. I'm just. I, it, why don't. I, I asked him this. Why don't you deliver me from this? Keyword. From. Why don't you just do what you could do? Pull me out of it. Remove it from me, God. And I feel like I said, well, go back in my, my word, Aaron. How do I work? I was like, all right. So this is Moses. Okay, okay. God's people, they're in slavery. It's not their best. It's not what God designed for them. And, and they're praying and crying out to God. And God could have done what I would have done. He could have just said, okay, children of Israel, boop. promised land, boop. okay, it's done. I'm good. You're welcome. And I went back and read it. And he didn't do that. I'm like, God, why didn't you do that? You can do it. Has anybody had that conversation with him? So you can do it, but you won't. I'm mad, God. And he goes, I don't work like that, Aaron. I created humans. I know how you think. I know how you work. You only grow through things. And if I removed it from you, you wouldn't learn. I said, but, 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 but okay, that's only one time. He goes, okay, then go to Jesus' life. I mean, we're talking about Jesus. I'm like, God, can't you just give us salvation? Just hand it to us. He goes, I did, but Jesus had to, to go through something. I'm like, why don't you deliver Jesus? He asked you for it. He's in the garden. God, take this from me. Remove the cup. God, what are you doing? He says, it's not how I work. I work through things. I don't leave you alone. I'm with you in it, but I don't remove it from you because that's not how you learn. My commands are designed to get you to your best. Yeah. So I'm like, God, this is what you're saying? Is that you're gonna help us? He said, yeah. He said, Cause, "Cause, your best life is always through your fear." Have remember your first day of school? Or, you know, we have a lot of military families in our, in our church, and you, you remember when you, like, pick up and leave? You got to move your whole family, and you got to go to a new place. and You got to find a new church. Come on. You got to find a new grocery store. You got to find a new post office. You got to find a new neighborhood. You got to find new friends. You got to find a whole new thing. And there's some fear there. Come on. But some of you know that when you push through that fear, you had some of the best times of your life. But in the moment, you're like, this makes no sense. Yeah. Again? Again? Come on, anybody had that question with him? Again? I sidestep God sometimes, right? I look out of my corner of my eye and I'm like, again? I'm your boy. I work for you. (laughs) Right? When When you got married, come on, weren't you afraid? Did you get a little bit of that cold feet? Like, I don't know if this is the one. She's really pretty. And she said, yes, that's what I got. He's got a job. I hope it works out, right? Like, that's how you think. Because you're like, God, I don't understand. I'm afraid. And God's saying, I like what he says in Isaiah 41, don't fear. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you. He doesn't say I'm going to remove you from the moment. And I'm frustrated by that. But that's not how he works. The other day, we were at the um, uh, we we're at the beach, and I just got off of a, a you know sabbatical a uh, couple weeks where I kind of taking the summer and just kind of seeking God, you know, really getting spirit. No, I really was, not I was on vacation at the beach, so you know it was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were, um, you know, we we're at the beach, and I was with my sons, and the beach, this this these waves were so big. I I'd go to this beach every year, and this it was so big. I could not, I mean, it was amazing. And um, my kids were loving it. And I have five boys, they're all under the age of 13. I have a little seven year old, his name's Judah and Judah was out there, and I was watching my kids for a couple hours, and they were, he was trying, my older kids could get over there, but the seven-year-old, he was too little, too light, so he couldn't get through some of the powerful waves, and so he spent, I'm not kidding you, two hours just getting beat up by the waves, I was laughing the whole time, because I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> America's Funniest Home Videos right here, like, just all the time, it was awesome, so he'd get over he would try, he would run, he'd go, and he'd run through the water, and do with this boogie board, and then he'd, and he'd jump, and the wave would just grab him and throw him right back out. And so I'm laughing on the shore because uh, I'm a good dad. And, and so I'm laughing, and I'm like, man. And so he walks up to me, and he goes, Dad, can you help me? And I was like, all right, let's do it. So I said, grab your boogie board. I said, board up. you know. I was like, if you get that board up, get high, and then that way it won't grab your water. The water won't grab your board, and, and you can you walk in. He's like, all right, so we're walking, and he's standing right here next to me. And I'm like, son, hold my hand. He goes, I got it. I'm like, all right. Do right. 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 You want me to help you? No, I got it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right. So I walk out, and for the next 20 minutes, we walk out, and I'm good because, well, I'm an adult. And I'm walking out, and the waves, I mean, he would just run, and he'd get right there, and he'd just get and the rag back up, and he'd get back up, and I'm like, you good? He go, I'm good okay. You know, he's walking back up, and I'm like, just hold my hand. He goes, no. And so for 20 minutes, he got beat up by the waves, right? And I'm like, why am I out here? And he goes, he finally gets tired. He goes, Dad, and this was his idea. He goes, okay, I'm going to stand in front of you, and then you just put your arms around me, and then I'll walk with you. When you walk I walk and then we'll get ahead and then I can get to where I can ride the wave. I said, That sounds great. So get him on my feet and we're walking out and I'm holding him and I'm walking out. And I'm telling you, like the biggest wave I've ever seen out there comes. It rises up and I'm like, Judah, this is the one. I throw him on the board and I just throw him. (laughs) Dude, he disappeared. And he gets to the end of the beach, and he gets up. I'm not kidding you. He gets up, and it's this is the coolest thing. He gets up, and he does this. He goes. Uh. And I was like, Judah, we're the man. <laughs> yeah. We did that for the rest of the day. Now, why do, why do, I, why do I tell you that story? You know, a lot of us are like that, I think, you know. What's meant to be a good thing in our life can actually hurt us sometimes. Because they're so big, and they're just momentum of it, the, and they're just life can hurt us, man, right? And and if you're like me, you're kind of like a, I'm good kind of a person with God. Anybody else like that? God, I acknowledge you. You're amazing. You stay there. I'm good. I'm strong. He even said that. Jesus said that to me. Because, Dad, I'm strong. And God, as long as you're there, I'm good. I got this. And then the waves keep hitting us and taking us back, and then we get back up We go, God, we're good. And God says, I could, I could, I could. I'm, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm willing to strengthen you if you would just let me. And I, and and I think sometimes we stay here so long. If there, if you're anything like me, we're just we're good people. We're I'm good people. I'm, I'm, the, I'm good people. I'm good, God. As long as you stay over there and I stay over here, I'm good. And it's not until we get inside of God's arms and we walk when he walks. That the waves that hurt us, come on, God redeems it and winds up being the thing that we can actually ride to our best life. And so so, so for, for the, the, the easiest way I could say it. You, you don't have to be strong. By the way, you don't got what it takes. It's like encouraging word with Pastor Aaron today. <laughs> but, but the Bible said you ain't got what it takes, so why try? Why, why? You don't have to be. The Bible doesn't, by the way, the Bible doesn't say to be strong. The Bible says be strong in the Lord. So your strength doesn't come from your muscles. Your strength comes from your God. And so when Judas lined up with me, his dad, he was all right. When we lined up with God, our dad, we're going to be all right. But that's how you push through your fear. Number two is this. I'm d- I, I got two more. I'm out of time. Can I just summarize the last two before you go to? Is that okay? Before you go to Chipotle. Um, I'm not sponsored by Chipotle. Okay, golly. You know, people are like, why did you say Chipotle? I went to the other day. I talked about the difference between Whataburger and In-N-Out. I'm not going there. All right, so all right, I'm misunderstanding. Uh, God said, you know, sometimes the second thing keeps us from, God, uh, from doing God's commands, Misunderstanding. Sometimes we God will say something to us. Did you know that by nature? I think by nature, God's commands are actually confusing Um, because when Noah was asked to build a big boat, um, by the way, it had never rained. So imagine Noah being told to build a boat because, hey, it's going to rain. Noah's first question would have been like, what is rain? And, no, it have been, and God would have been like, oh, it's going to be water falling from the sky. He, I would have, been, I'd have done a double take. I'd be like, say, what? <laughs> Only water I know of is on, is on the earth. So you, what you're saying is the water is going to come down, and then there's going to be water so much that it's going to fill up the earth. I'm confused because that's, that don't make no sense. Has anybody ever had a command from God that didn't make no sense? All of my commands from God seem to make no sense. I was talking to my son the other day and I said, Hey, son, I think it was Kellen, and um, he's my, one of my older boys. And I said, Hey, every day we gotta take out the garbage and we gotta make our bed. And my son literally said this He goes, Dad, that don't make no sense. <laughs> I'm like, Come over here, kid. You know, like, what? He goes, Dad, that don't make no sense. Why? we just, <laughs> we get in the bed and make it, and mess it up every day, and I'm like, son, I gotta be honest with you, that's great logic, you're absolutely right, it makes no sense, I almost questioned what I said, I was like, you know, never mind, leave it alone, um, but I said, I had read a book one time, I don't know if you ever, it's, I think it's actually called, like, Making Your Bed Every Day, I think that's what it was, it's was all about rhythms, healthy rhythms in life, and how, like, what you ultimately get as a result of your life are the things that you put in place on a regular basis. And so, like, it helps you teach, teach you discipline. It teaches you. Now, I know all those things, right? I'm being silly. But, like, you know, th- but, but, but to, to a 13-year-old boy, that's confusing. It makes no sense. For most 13-year-old boys, all they're, they're in the moment. Like, he ain't thinking about college. He ain't thinking about a 401K. He's not thinking about savings. He's not thinking about his first mortgage. He's not thinking about any of that. He's thinking about, you know, Fortnite and, you know, what he's going to eat in the next five minutes. Every five minutes. <laughs> our membership at Costco. Just that's all I do. I live at Costco. Um, but God will say stuff to us that don't make no sense. I mean, he just, it's kind of the nature of what it is. But again, our commands are always meant to lead us to our, to our best. And Isaiah says it like, you know, he's, our thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways are not his ways. Like, we don't, we won't ever fully understand God. And for those of you who are, like, um, interested in God and are interested in Christianity and are feeling out this thing called Christianity, um, some of you are, are kept from a relationship with God because you feel like you should fully understand before you can kind of enter into a relationship with him. Um, let me give you some encouragement in here. I'm, I'm the senior pastor of this church, and I don't fully understand God, and I never will. There's scriptures that say the disciples walked with Jesus for years, and then all of a sudden they believed. And I'm like, wait, let me read that again. So they walked with Jesus and saw him do amazing things, God on earth, and you, then they believe. It took them a while to believe. Yeah. Like, it is possible to not understand God. In fact, I wonder if it's kind of required that you don't fully understand. Let me just say it like this. If you fully understand God, I think he ceases to be God. How are you going to say you're going to fully understand God and put him in a box? So I always laugh about theologians. I always laugh at different denominations. I always laugh. I got pastors and friends in every denomination in every world. And I, I just, they, they, there's so many camps in the body of Christ. I imagine being a non-Christian. We, they probably all look at us like, well, why don't you all just like make a decision and be together? Which is what God asked us to do, by the way. I desire for us to be one but we can't seem to do that. So, but they all fight. We all fight about our decision. Our, our, we have, I, every once in a while, a new denomination pops up and says, we have figured out God. <laughs> oh! Thank you. It's amazing. That's not an argument for bad theology, but I'm just telling you, at some point, have to accept that we don't fully understand what God's doing because we're the created and he's the creator and that's okay I'll be even to say sometimes our misunderstanding is actually the way that you can please him because my Bible says it's without faith it's impossible to please God so if you what, let me ask you this question why do you need faith you need faith when you don't fully understand something it's like asking for a miracle when you don't really need one. Be careful praying for a miracle in your life because if you pray for a miracle in your life, you might have an opportunity to actually need one. And Miracles, by definition, are things that you can't control. Sometimes we just don't fully understand. The last one is this. Sometimes we don't obey because we disagree with God. And I wonder if Noah, when God told Noah to build a big boat, he was like, "Hmm." Eh. That's a big book. Can I just make it, like, half that size? Anybody ever negotiate with God when he asks you to do something? He's like, you know, God, God tells me, like, Aaron, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Can I love her like I like a McDonald's Big Mac, like, or, you know, can I love her something less than that? Can you give me a caveat? Like, when God tells you to love your neighbor as yourself, you're like, okay, love your neighbor as yourself. Until they do this, like I'm waiting for the lost scrolls to show up to give me the rest of the translation. So I can be, he can give me the list of the ways I don't have to love people because <laughs> I really want it. <laughs> but but they're just not there. And, and sometimes I got to be honest with you. Sometimes the reason that I, I, we don't obey and I say we is because we just disagree with the way God does things. It's the difference between submission. And agreement. Sometimes we just, sometimes I just don't agree. And I I recognize, as much as I love America and the democracy that we're in, spiritually, we ain't in a democracy. We're in a kingdom. There's one king. And spoiler alert, it ain't us. And God's given us a command to love people, to honor his word, to be generous, to be peacekeeping, to be loving, to be kind, to be full of joy, to be the hope to this world. He's given us commands. And the question you have to ask yourself is, are you going to submit to it? Because sometimes it don't make sense. And, And sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes I just flat out don't agree with you, God. But because you're my God, Come on, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And I'm I'm closing with this thought. If God asks you to do something, then I think he's going to give you the ability to pull it off. No doubt Noah needed God's help to do what he did. Noah didn't do that all by himself. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on. And I think sometimes we forget that in that moment. Sometimes we forget God, you asked me to do something amazing. There's some of you in here, God's asked you to do something amazing. Put something in your heart. Do something amazing for God. And you think, man, I don't know how I'm going to do that. That's great, because now you're going to need Jesus. You're going to need him. And uh, when we planted this church, um, can I just be real with y'all? Is that okay? Like, uh, we planted this church. I, our original plan for Rise Church was not in San Antonio, Texas. I wasn't planning on being here. I didn't even, honestly, I didn't really even know the city existed. I I, I I knew about it. I heard about it, but I didn't like, you know, that was not even on my radar. We were going to go back home. I was planning on planting in my hometown in California, which I know I'm from California. I'm sorry. I don't even tell anybody that anymore. People are like, where are you from? Texas, you know, because like, <laughs> it's but I'm from California. And so I'm like, I, I, I was going to plant in California. I was going to go back home and I was going to have 350 people right off the bat, not even have to think about it because I knew everybody. My hometown, people were going to come. Family was there. I was going to have people and finances and building. It was going to be awesome. I'd be home. And God told, literally, he spoke to me. He said, you're going to plant in San Antonio, Texas. And my first reaction was like, nah. Nah, God, nah. I don't think that's right. I don't, i've never been there why would i go to a place i don't know anybody and never been and never been a part of and never saw and never was with I, I, why would i ever do that why 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 would i ever that sounds like a terrible idea i disagree it doesn't make any sense and i'm really afraid of doing something like that because i got feel like i got one shot at this which by the way planning a church is hard this thing almost killed me i ain't gonna do it again so like this this is gonna work everybody shake your head it's gonna work okay <laughs> you're part of this we agree um so I, I said, God, I I don't, I don't know if that's right. And I, t- I talked to my wife. Now, here's what's funny. Okay, this is just a side note. For those of you who are married, men, just, if you're asleep, wake them up. Um, there's no mistake that the Bible actually uses the same word to describe the Holy Spirit that he does the wife. Did you know that? It's called a paraclete. It means means uh, helper. And so God... Specifically, my wife speaks through that woman, would not be here. Without her? And I, ar- ar- I, I argued with her. I said, I thought, I think you're wrong. And uh, she goes, oh, that's fine. <laughs> she said, what did God tell you, Erin? She reminded me. She reminded me. What did God tell you? Okay, well, he told me we, we had to play it in San Antonio. She goes, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. And I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and um, all the things that I feared and didn't understand and disagreed with God, he, he did something crazy. Because we launched with like 375 people at a place we didn't know. And the church has been a nothing but a nonstop blessing moment from the beginning, and those of you who know me, you're, like, confused as I am. Like, it's not (laughs) because of me. There is a movement in this place. It's eerie. It's uh, it's like I wake up every day going, God, may I be worthy of saying I'm a part of this family, let alone lead it. And it was all because we submitted as a family to God. And so I I just, I know today was a little long. I just, but I felt like God wanted you to hear that. If you're dealing with something that God has asked you to do, if you're afraid, push through it. If you don't understand it, that's okay. Take your misunderstandings to God. And if you disagree with him, my prayer for you is to submit. Not my will. Thy will be done. And see if your decision doesn't put you on the boat. Come on to dry land.